Welcome to Life Study of the Bible, brought to you by Living Stream Ministry. In 1924, Witness Lee was dynamically saved by the Lord as a young man in his native China, and he promptly consecrated the rest of his life to the gospel. He co-labored with Watchman Nee for parts of the next three decades, and in 1962, Witness Lee was led by the Lord to come to the United States. During his 35 years of service to the Lord in America, he ministered in weekly meetings and weekend conferences, delivering thousands of spoken messages. Much of his speaking has since been published as more than 400 titles, many of which have been translated into numerous foreign languages. He gave his last public conference in February 1997 at the age of 91. We're happy today to be able to bring you recorded excerpts from his speaking and encourage you to contact us if you have any further questions or comments. Please send email to radio at lsm.org. Now, let's join today's program. Throughout the history of Israel, only two men have ever been identified as been raised up by the Lord in three critical aspects, as priest, as prophet, and as judge over Israel. These two are Moses and Samuel. Samuel, like Moses before him, was unique in having such a position before Jehovah. In many ways, he was God's representative on the earth, and there were none that were higher than he. Yet it's interesting that when the Lord instructed him in 1 Samuel chapter 9 to anoint a king over Israel, with his status already intact as priest, prophet, and judge, we can see it would have been easy for him to say, at least in his heart, how can God ask me to anoint anyone to be above me? Yet in Samuel, God had found a man who cared nothing for his own position, but who only cared for what was on God's heart. Bob Dankers joined us for our fellowship. We continue on in this life study of First Samuel. Really striking word today, isn't it? Very striking, Chris. This person, Samuel, is very unusual, I would say, in all human history. Maybe outside of the Lord Jesus, maybe the Apostle Paul, <laughs> right. and Moses, as you mentioned, there's probably not been such persons so one with God, so much caring for God's interests and not caring for his own interests. This is a wonderful example, a pattern, uh, showing that we all need to be Samuels. We mm-hmm. all need to be the same as Samuel. And what we tried to summarize there in the introduction, I think, will be developed very clearly in our program today. But it's based on the premise that Samuel's heart so matched God's heart that he cared nothing for his own position, his own status, his own achievement, how he would be remembered, his posterity, da-da-da. Uh, he cared only for what was uh, God's care, and that was for, as we'll find out today, the kingdom, not even to have a spiritual Samuel or having an uplifted Israel. Really, God's heart from that point, as it is clear through till today, focused on this matter of the kingdom. And Samuel being the one that brought in the kingship was really used by God Yet he wasn't the end goal, and this didn't seem to bother him. That's right, and this is tremendous, that, as you said, Samuel was not for his own interests, even though he was judge over Israel. He had the highest position among the people of Israel. He was not for having his own monarchy, his own empire. He didn't have the intention to make Israel his personal kingdom. 
he realized that God wanted to have a kingdom in which God himself ruled over his people. And Samuel was really for this also. Let's uh, review a verse in 1 Samuel chapter 2 that gives us a very good insight into the kind of vessel the Lord had raised up here in this one. Of course, we remember he was offered to the Lord even before he was born by his mother, uh, Hannah, the one who had become desperate and so desperate that if uh, Jehovah would give her a son, she would offer him to Jehovah for all his days. And uh, that is really Samuel's situation. Now, in chapter 2, verse 35, it says, And I will raise up for myself a faithful priest who will do according to what is in my heart and in my mind. I will build him a sure house, and he will go before my anointed continually. Now, in the New Testament, I mentioned that this was God's goal in Samuel's time, also his goal today. In the New Testament, in the final book, chapter 11 of Revelation, it says, And the seventh angel trumpeted, and there were loud voices in heaven, saying, The kingdom of this world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ, and he will reign forever and ever. This gives us a clear view, doesn't it, Bob, that God's intention today is still the kingdom as it was in Samuel's time. That's right, Chris. God wants to have a kingdom with Christ as the king. And just to remind our listeners of the background here, Israel had become dissatisfied to have Jehovah as their unique king and had come to Samuel and pleaded with him to give them a king like the other nations had. And this, of course, not only offended Jehovah, it deeply offended Samuel. And that is because their hearts were so much in sync. So the Lord instructed Samuel to anoint a king. And that first king, of course, we know is King Saul. All right, let's join Witness Lee with this first portion today. When Saul would be raised up to be something, at that time, Samuel has reached the highest position. You may say in the whole universe, only one is above him. That's God. And he is above all. I even use the term, he was the acting God. God should move. God should act. Yet God has got a representative even a representation of Samuel. So Samuel became everything. He was the priest, he was the prophet, he was the judge, he was God's oracle, and he was God's administration. He was everything. He was God acting on this earth. But God didn't have any intention to make him a kingdom. No. According to the Bible, God determined to raise up a man by the name David, through whom God had the intention to build up a kingdom. Since the time God chose Abraham, God's intention is not to have a single person. It's not to have a group of seekers after him. But God's intention was to have a kingdom. In Matthew 16, the church and the kingdom, these two terms are used interchangeably. Eventually, what God wants is not just a church, but a kingdom church. So Paul 
in Romans 14 considers that the practical church life is a kingdom. And there he says, the kingdom of God, of course, that refers to church. So while Samuel was going, was going on to his highest attainment, God still haven't got his goal. I believe Samuel knew that because he was a man according to God's heart. God wanted a kingdom to be brought in through whom directly? Not through Samuel, but through a man by the name David. Bob, let's talk a little bit about this goal of God's heart, this matter of the kingdom. By now, it would seem Samuel's achievement, his attainment, had probably surpassed even his own expectations as a young person. He had become the priest, he'd become the prophet, he'd become the judge. And yet he was not satisfied because he knew in his heart God was not yet satisfied. So what is it that God is really looking for for his satisfaction? Well, of course, as Witness Lee said, God is looking for a kingdom. And in this kingdom, God is the real king. So God does not want anyone to rule over his people except God himself. And, of course, at the time when God called Abraham, the entire earth had been usurped and taken over by God's enemy. All the human race had rebelled against God and had rejected God's authority, and they were worshiping idols. Even Abraham was an idol worshiper. But God called Abraham... And when he called him, he told Abraham that he would multiply him and make of him a great nation. That nation is the kingdom of God. So from the very time God called Abraham, he intended to have a kingdom. And so here we are in the book of Samuel. This was at the end of the period of the judges. And we know, of course, that was a chaotic period in the history of Israel because There was no king in Israel. Even God was hard-pressed to rule over his people. And every man, it said, did that which was right in his own eyes. So there was no kingdom among God's people, although God had it in his heart to have a kingdom. And now Samuel comes to be raised up by God to be the prophet, the priest, and the last real judge over his people. Still, even though God had such a person as Samuel who was one with God and was God's representative on the earth, certainly a person through whom God could do whatever he wanted to do. God was not satisfied in this. He wanted a kingdom, and he intended to bring in a kingdom, but not through Samuel. And Samuel was happy with that. He was not offended that God did not choose Samuel or one of Samuel's descendants to make a kingdom of Samuel and his descendants. Mm -hmm. He was happy with whatever made God happy. And God was happy to raise up David to bring in the kingdom of God on this earth. And we know that through David, Christ would come to be the real king in God's kingdom, God's eternal kingdom. And God would have his kingdom, what he had desired from before the foundation of the world, surely and certainly from the time that he called Abraham, but had never been able to gain among his people until Samuel was raised up by God. 
I think with that as a background, let's come back now to these verses in chapter 8. And this is the uh, sequence here where uh, Samuel's sons had shown themselves to not have the same heart as their father. They were acting in some capacity, but they were not pure and uh, single in their heart the way Samuel, their father, was. And the children of Israel recognized this, of course, as well. So now we're at the point they're coming to Samuel to ask him for a king like the other nations. And as this one in such a prominent position, many would have been offended because they were not even asking that he would make one of his sons their king. Uh, But they had something else in mind. But we see in these verses now that Samuel was offended. And this, of course, had everything to do with the fact that God was offended for Israel's rejecting of him as their king and nothing to do with his own situation, what's best for him, but only focused on what God is after. Okay, chapter 8, verses 4 through 7. Then all the elders of Israel gathered together and came to Samuel at Ramah. And they said to him, You are now old, and your sons do not follow in your ways. Appoint now for us a king to judge us like all the nations. But the matter displeased Samuel when they said, Give us a king to judge us. Then Samuel prayed to Jehovah, and Jehovah said to Samuel, Listen to the voice of the people according to all that they have said to you. For it is not you whom they have rejected, but they have rejected me from being king over them. Samuel shares the Lord's uh, offense, doesn't he, Bob? That's right. He was displeased even as God was. All right, let's go back to Witness Lee. Samuel has attained to a position above everyone. Would such a one give in to let others come in? Suppose you were Samuel by that time. Would you give in one inch for anyone to come in, to match you, or to be above you? You know, Samuel was, according to his mother's vow, he was so pure, so single, so simple. He was altogether not self-seeking. He knew nothing but God, and he knew nothing but God's elect. Israel, in his heart, just as what was in God's heart, Israel, oh, Israel is a particular possession of God, a peculiar, treasure, private possession, even personal possession. This heart was duplicated into Samuel's heart. Samuel didn't care for his own gain, his own interest. You may say, didn't uh, Samuel appointed his two sons to be judges? The eventually sons didn't honor their father. They took the uh, degree that way. Then the people came to Samuel. We need a king. If Samuel was self-seeking, he would say, you ask me to do this, just you offend me. You have two judges here. They could be improved, and I'll do it. But he was not offended by this, not caring for the true sins of Samuel. That didn't offend Samuel. Samuel had no intention to build up a kingdom for his descendants. But he was offended by being asked to raise up a king to replace God. That offended him. 
There was such a situation, so it was ready, and it was so easy for God to bring in the kingdom. Bob, we've been talking about the dynamics of this situation. What touches me was this very last phrase that he uttered here. There was such a situation, so it was ready and so easy for God to bring in the kingdom. In one sense, Samuel directly was not the one that God was going to raise up for the kingdom, but having a Samuel enabled him to bring forth the kingdom. And that's really the point of what we're uh, touching today, isn't it? It is, Chris. This brings in a, us to a very important principle. We all know that God is almighty. He's omnipotent. He can do whatever he wants. At this point, God wanted to gain a kingdom, and he wanted David to be the king through whom Christ would be brought into the human race to be the real king of God's kingdom. But although God is omnipotent and all-powerful and can do anything, he would not do anything unless he could find someone on the earth who would be one with him and who would have the same heart that he had. This man was Samuel. God needed Samuel because although he intended to change the age from the age of the judges, which lasted more than 400 years, to the age of the kings, God could not do it alone. He needed a man who would be one with him, who would have the same heart that God had, and who would absolutely not care for his own interests. God found one, or he raised up one, in the person of Samuel. You know, um, of course, we're speaking very highly of Samuel today, and in this life study, we're seeing what kind of vessel he was and how much God could accomplish by virtue of having such a one. Yet historically, you know, when we look back over the great figures of the Bible, great figures even of the Old Testament. Samuel's not a name that jumps out in most people's recognition. Of course, we think of Moses, we think of Abraham, and probably most people would think of the major prophets before Samuel. Yet, in reality, he was one that enabled the Lord to gain so much of what he was after and willing to be so little recognized. This, I think, further kind of confirms the point of this message, doesn't it? Yes, it does, Chris, and it shows the kind of heart that we all need to have. We need to open to the Lord and ask Him to make our heart a duplication of His heart. Well, we're going to see this point reinforced in our final segment today. We'll also touch a point, and that is in verse 16 of chapter 9, we see the Lord telling Samuel about this one that is going to come, whom he is to anoint. And this is Saul. And yet, of course, we realize Saul was uh, not one that matched the Lord's heart, that had anywhere near the kind of stature that Samuel did. How could this one have been useful to the Lord in establishing the kingship that he so desired? And that's what we'll see a bit in this uh, last segment. Chapter 9, verse 16, about this time tomorrow, Jehovah tells Samuel, I will send you a young man from the land of Benjamin, and you shall anoint him ruler over my people Israel. And he will save my people from the hand of the Philistines, for I have looked upon my people because their cry has come to me. All right, let's join Witness Lee as we uh, see the introduction of Saul here. God told Samuel to anoint a man by the name Saul. Why God would not go directly to David? Not only because David was still young, but because Israel whom God loved 
to the uttermost. He must be disciplined by God with a negative king that they may taste to replace God with a king is not a happy thing. It's not a blessing. Rather, it is a curse. So God gave them not the good king. God is the God of patience. To him, Eli was not so positive, yet Eli was under God's allowance to be the judge for 40 years. If I were God, I would say, 40 years, just four months. After four months practice, get away. I'll change another one. 40 years. Then Samuel's judgeship, probably at least 30 years. Then Saul came in to reign Israel negatively under the eyes of God, but still God tolerated him to be the king for 40 years. Then eventually David. Now you could see why Samuel could be so useful in the hand of God. He doesn't have any kind of self-seeking. He was there all the time just for God. He was there absolutely for God. Wherever God goes, whatever God does, he felt happy because he was a man according to God, according to God's heart. This was a man whom God can use for the carrying out of his economy. Without such a Samuel, would be very hard to bring forth his plan. God had intention to get Christ born through David. And who could bring David in? Only Samuel. Bob, we see a lot about Samuel here. We also see a lot about Jehovah. He's one who doesn't struggle with the matter of patience. He had David in view all along, knowing that Ultimately, David would be the one from whom Christ would come forth. And yet we had this long period of the negative judge, Eli's judgeship. Then we had another long period of Samuel's positive judgeship. Then another very long period of Saul's evil kingship before we finally get to what's on God's heart's desire. Yet in this one vessel of Samuel, he found the unique vessel that could enable him to carry it out according to his time and in his way. It's marvelous. It is truly marvelous. God is a marvelous person. He is uh, patient to the uttermost. To him, time, it seems, means very little. And yet, God has a purpose and a plan. He has something that he wants to accomplish, and he needs someone to be one with him so that he can do what he wants to do when he wants to do it. And Samuel was that person in that time. But what about today, Chris? Yeah. God surely is moving today, and his move, no doubt, is related to his kingdom as it was then. God wants to bring Christ to the earth a second time Mm. to establish God's kingdom over the whole earth. For this, God needs a vessel. God needs a corporate person to be like Samuel, not to have any concern for his own self-interest, but to be absolutely concerned with God and God's interests and with God's people who are really on God's heart. God loves his people, and his purpose is with his people. So here we are, 
at this point in history, we could say, well, to God, time means nothing, and if he waits another 100 years or 1,000 years, it doesn't matter. But <laughs> actually, we shouldn't have such an attitude. Right. We should say, Lord, make me or make us corporately today's Samuel so that you can bring in the king, Christ, back to this earth. To go back to uh, what we looked at early on in the program, at least uh, what Witness Lee mentioned, we didn't get a chance to talk about it then, but let's take just half a minute and talk about it now. In Revelation, of course, we see the kingdom is what is in God's heart. In Matthew and in other places like Romans 14, the kingdom and the church are somewhat equivalent here. So what God is indicating in the New Testament, what he's after today for the sake of the kingdom is not an individual Samuel, but it is the church to be raised up as a kind of a corporate Samuel. I think this is where you were going with that word. Absolutely right, Chris. Today, the church should be the corporate Samuel through which God can bring in his eternal kingdom over the whole earth. What an uplifted view of the church as well as, a, I think, a view of this Old Testament priest, prophet, judge Samuel in an uplifted way. It's truly marvelous. Always great to have you with us, Bob. Hope you'll join us many more times during our life study of 1 Samuel. It's uh, turning out to be a marvelous book, isn't it? I look forward to coming again, Chris. Well, we hope you'll also uh, take time to contact us and get the printed life study messages of First and Second Samuel. Contact us toll-free, 1-888-LIFE-STUDY, 888-543-3788. For Bob Danker, I'm Chris Wilde. Thank you very much for listening today. You've been listening to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, brought to you by Living Stream Ministry, publisher and distributor of the works of Watchman Nee and Witness Lee. If you'd like to contact us, just email radio at lsm.org or call us toll-free at 1-888-LIFE-STUDY. That's 1-888-543-3788. Thanks for listening.